0: I know. Isn't that band awesome? I know. Oh, women. Go women. I'm so excited to be here. I thank you all for making time this morning to come. And um, it's so funny, because the second row right here, there's like five women that probably know different parts of my story that I'm going to share today. And it's kind of interesting, so they'll know if I'm telling the truth or not. <laughs> Um, When I was preparing for Coffee Talk, I was actually supposed to speak in February, and we moved it because of our um, women's retreat. And so they said, well, this was a couple of months ago. They said, well, do you think you can speak in November? And I said, well, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think I can. I already know what the Lord has put on my heart to share, so you know, I think I'll be able to do that. And so as I was preparing a couple of months ago, Um, I took a break one day, it was a beautiful Saturday, and I I was out with my husband and my daughter, and uh, we were spending the day just out in the city, playing, having fun. It was towards the end of our day together, and um, my daughter, who's six and a half, said, come on, mom, let's play tag. So I was like, okay. So, and I didn't have these shoes on, I had flat shoes on and everything, and so she's like, okay, my husband's playing too, and, and I was it. And so they said, um, they said, okay, she's like, "Get me, Mom, Get me. And so I just, like, started running after her and everything, you know. And I was on a sidewalk downtown. And I tripped, and I went flat on my face, flat. My husband said I bounced. So I was running pretty fast. I'm still pretty spry, even though I just turned 50. So I skinned both of my knees like a little girl. And I was lying there, and all the thing, only thing I could think of, because you know how you are when you fall, and you're like, get up who saw me? (laughs) So I I jump up and my husband's like, don't get up. And I'm like, uh, and he says, I kept saying, get up, get up. Like I was trying to force myself to get up. So like I get up and I go, look, I'm fine. And I, I, I rolled my arm up and I just was like, oh my gosh, I'm not fine. I'm like, something major had happened. And I had been really busy prior to that day. I was like, you know busy with my daughter, busy with work. I'm the children's ministry um, director here at Cornerstone. And I was just busy. You know, I was like not preparing, I was not preparing for coffee talk. I was not being still like my theme was wanting, was, was about. And so I I was like, I I can't move my arm, my right arm. I go, I can't move it. And I just felt nauseous to my stomach, and everything was just spinning. And Kendall's like, mommy, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was just like, Ugh. I think I broke my arm. i have never broken a bone, so I didn't know. So my husband's like, okay, you know, we need, to, we need to get you right to a hospital. So we went right to the hospital. Sure enough, broke it in two places right here. Oh, my goodness. It was so horrible. And so I had to lie in bed for like three days. I couldn't move. They, had desic- they couldn't cast it because of where it was. So they- I had this like little thing going around me, and it hooked onto my arm. And I just had to lie in bed for three days. And I was like, okay, Lord. And I remember when my dad, you know, some things I'll share about my dad in, in, a, in a little while, but I remember when he was ill and he was on his back and he says, you know, there's only one way to look when you're on your back, that's <laughs> up. And I, I remember when he first told me, I was like, what? You know, which way? And so he's like, you need to look up. And so I, I did, I just, I couldn't hold a book. I couldn't, there's nothing I could do, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't move this arm, you know, you can't like only turn pages with one hand, and so anyway, make a long story short on that one, I wasn't even planning on sharing that, which is probably what's going to happen a lot this morning, but um, God is so amazing, you know, in those moments where I'm just like busy, busy, busy running, you know, he was like, no, you need to be still, I'm telling you, be still already, and so, I did for those three days and probably for about a week after that. A lot of people pitched in and helped. I couldn't drive, you know, take my daughter to school and my husband and everybody pitched in. Anyway, I really, you know, learned about another lesson of being still. And so a couple of things I'm going to talk about this morning is not just being still with um, you know, sitting and having a still space to read your Bible and, you know, having a nice cozy corner to read your Bible. And you should have that. We should all have that. You know, we should all have a place where it's good to go and be with the Lord. But it's, my be still moments are more be still when it's kind of all hitting the fan. And, um, you know, where you're just like a deer in headlights and you don't know, you know, which other way to turn. And so um, when I was listening to the Christian radio station the other day, um, the Lord's so good, you know. He just always, like, when you're preparing for something or when you're really praying about something, he just always brings either people into your life to speak into your life or, like, I, on the Christian radio station, he uses that a lot with me on 1100. If you ever get the chance just to listen to it when you're driving or, you know, working out or whatever, you should really listen to it. There's some great encouraging messages on there. And... Um, Somebody said, uh, they said either you're getting ready to go through a crisis, you're in a crisis, or you've just come out of a crisis. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, wow, you're right. I mean, it's so true if you think about it, you know. And I was just like, gosh, if I would have learned that before fifty, uh, you know, maybe that I would have handled things a little bit better. Um, and then I also heard somebody talking about um, just yesterday. They were saying, and I, I was really struggling with to share some things from my childhood or not. And um, you know, would it be of interest? And you know how you start second guessing yourself. And would people really you know care about that? And there's so many other people that have much more major issues about their childhood. And but then I heard these people talking on the on the Christian radio station. And they said, you know, to really get to know somebody, like you know, somebody that anybody, a girl, a friend, um, somebody you're interested in. You know, a potential male person. You know, your fiance. whoever I, I mean. Ask them about their childhood. Talk to them about their childhood and you will know them already better than you'll ever try to get to know. And that's another thing. If somebody would have told me that before 50, I would have also... (laughs) So so the other night, I'm asking my husband about his childhood, you know? (laughs) He's like, now? So anyway, so I'm gonna share a little bit about my childhood. It's not all about my childhood, but I think it sets up the person who I was before Christ. And um, uh, my dad my parents um, met when they were 20 and 22. And my both small town people. And um, my, my dad had eight siblings. He was the youngest. And my mom had zero siblings. And my dad from a little town in Montana, my mom from a little town in Tennessee. So they were very just sweet, small town. Both had Christian parents. And, but they, together as a couple, were, you know, not going to church when they got married. They, that was not something that they brought into their marriage. And whether they had a relationship with Jesus at that time, you know, I don't know. Um, but when, it, my dad was in the army. And I don't know if you know anybody that has had parents in the army or, you know, have really heard that much about it. And, but it's, um, it's a very interesting life, you know. We, you um, you move around a lot. Uh, we moved every two and a half years. Um, I have an older brother. He's three years older than me, Mike. His wife is here, Janet. And um, so you know, so we moved. You know, we we always were moving, and we never. I I I felt like I from a very early age. I never had, although I had loving parents. I never had a sense of security. Um, I always felt, you know, that we were. Um, you know, just on the go. And, you know, you'd basically move someplace and you'd meet people and then you always lived on an army post so either they would move or you would move. So you never really got to know anybody that, that much. And my parents, too, I mean, they... they when I was about three, they, my dad got transferred to Korea. I had to go to Korea. He didn't, he didn't get transferred. He had to go to Korea. And so my mom and myself and my brother... We went to live with my grandparents in Tennessee. On their, they had a farm. And that was such a nice time. I can even remember even that little looking back at pictures thinking, wow, I looked so happy back then. You know, Just being there and having that security for that year with my grandparents and, and my mom. And even though my dad was gone, um, I'm sure it was, you know, affected uh, some. But uh, you just to have that security there uh, for that full year with just loving families and you know the farm and the animals and going out and feeding the cows and you know just this just like a surreal life if you've never been on a farm I mean it's, it's just amazing you know every time I, we'd go there we'd go there every summer and every time we'd go there th- they had a dog named Red and th- this dog was just a scroungy you know dog farm dog but I loved Red and every time I went there Red had puppies me <laughs> you know it was amazing, and so I, I, mean, I always had these puppies to play with, you know, and I always got to pick my favorite one and then you know then they you know they would we would take the other ones and get, find home for the other ones and and so the, Tennessee was just a really special time and I refer back to Tennessee even to this day in my life when things are hard, I kind of go there but um, so I thought things were pretty things felt pretty happy you know at that time when I was like three and four and My dad returned from Korea, and um, we didn't. My brother and I didn't know, but something had happened between with my parents' marriage, and um, I think my dad made some a poor decision when he was in uh, Korea, and um, we. I didn't know this till I was an adult, and my mom told me. But at the time, you know, when you're a little child, and things happen with your parents, you know, you don't know what's happening. All you know is they're not there for you because. They're dealing with their own things but you don't know that you just feel like you know i'm here you know you're like tugging on their little coattails you know i'm here i'm here and so uh, i think with my brother and i both um you know it was it was really challenging you know i didn't really realize it until you know like i said later that that really had a big huge effect on us for many years um, all through my childhood my parents um you know always told us they loved us you know, but they weren't real huggy, lovey, you know, type of people. My mom probably a little more so than my dad, and um, you know, we always had food on the table. We always, you know, we always had the the basics, except for that affirmation and that security. And um, we went to Germany. We went to Germany for three years after my dad got back from Korea. And so I was in first, second, third grade in in Germany, and um, that's where I really started uh, struggling. I was struggling academically. Um, I think probably a lot of it had to do with stress, you know, of not really knowing um, getting that, what I needed from my parents. And um, so it was very stressful for me. I think it was probably very stressful for my brother as well. Um, uh, I struggled hard. Like, I, I remember just being in school just like thinking, you know, I'm, I may as well be reading that foreign language, or I may as well, you know, like math, I was just like, I was so behind in everything. And so, but no, you know, they just kept passing you, because, you know, it's like the public school system, just keep passing you. They didn't have what they have today in place, you know, to kind of catch things for children. So we, live, we were in Germany for three years, so i didn 't see my grandparents. We didn't go to the farm you know in the, su- in the summer i didn't have that security either. and um, after Germany, we moved to uh, Maryland for a year and a half, and uh, again, I was, I was like in fourth and a half of fifth grade, and I just um, remember really feeling the stress then, and just really I was so insecure i it was hard for me to really talk with people. Like on the outside, I was happy, you know, I was pretty happy, resilient, I think, child on the outside. But inside, I can remember at night, you know, just really, you know, being in my room, just, you know, scared and lonely. Because, you know, children need that love, you know, from their parents. They need that, they, I mean, not that love, but that affirmation that, you know what, Kathy? You're doing great. You know, you're. Come on, let's help you in school instead of you know, kind of being the authoritarian type father. You know, I had at that time in my life. You know, he was kind of like, what's wrong with you? You know, why can't you get good grades? You know, why can't you excel at this? And I, when I was little, you know, I did that. And you know, is that is that kind of thing? And my mom was more just the silent type. You know, she never really spoke up about much, and they, like I said, they were having their own issues. You know, they were very distant from each other. Looking back at it, and, um, and it wasn't until when I was 11 years old, and we moved, we moved again. We moved to Tucson, and um, I was in half. I started my half year of fifth grade there. So again, I was like this new person coming on, and um, you know, trying to make friends and trying to fit in and feeling really, you know I, know, I don't like this word, it's a horrible word, stupid, but I really felt stupid, and I had people call me stupid, I had teachers call me stupid, and, um, yes, yeah, so that's a bad word in our house. So, yeah, I, I did, though I felt really just like, what's wrong with me? You know, what is wrong with me? And um, I had a teacher in fifth grade that kind of, that came, my first teacher that really came alongside of me, and um, really took me under her wing. And her dad was also in the service. And you know, I was in a public school system always, and in all these places, even though I was on an army post. And she told me that um, the same thing happened to her. And so for that first time, I was like, wow, you know, somebody I can, and she was young, and she, you know, she was just this amazing woman, and she said, I the same thing happened to me she goes but look at me now you know I'm teaching I'm a teacher And I was like I want to be her (laughs) I was like and she was so sweet and then you know what years later looking back at my little yearbook she was the um leader of the Bible club I know and but she came alongside of me she put her arms around her arm around me and she was like you know what everything is going to be okay and I was like, oh, okay, everything's gonna be okay. She goes, I'm gonna help you get caught up, you know? And, and she told me about a tutor. I was like, oh, a tutor. Oh, fabulous, you know? <laughs> what a concept. <laughs> Wouldn't would that have been nice if somebody told me that? And then what happened was, it really, I didn't wanna spend a lot of time on my childhood, but, but um, my dad then, I was preteen, right? I was just starting to kind of bloom. I was a late bloomer, I was blooming for me. And um, <laughs> my dad goes to Vietnam. <laughs> right? So he goes to Vietnam for a year. I'm preteen, I'm just like, he's like, I've got to go to Vietnam, and I remember having this conversation around the table, and I, and I was just like, what does that mean? You know, and he's like, well, I'm going to be gone for a year, you know, we're going to stay here in this house with your mom, and we weren't living on an army posts, so we didn't have a lot of support, there was a lot of tension around the Vietnam War, and you know, people in our neighborhood were just kind of like, you know, not real supportive of our family, and um, so, yeah, so my dad goes off to Vietnam, and I'm like with my mom and my brother, and my brother is in like, high school, you know, he's like in his middle years of high school. So, and we weren't close, you know, we didn't, we weren't, didn't talk. You know, I, I just felt like I could never go to my mom and say, you know, mom, I, I'm scared. You know, I'd get these letters from my dad, and he'd be like, be good. You know, he had a little nickname for me, Binkley. He'd be like, good, be good, Binkley, you know, and I'd be like, okay, you know. And so, but there was, this, there was this family down the street. This girl's named Jody, and she was a year. Was, I think, she might have been a couple years younger to me. But I was really drawn to her and her family. They were so together, you know. They really um, had this love. You know, she'd, Jody'd be like, "Come on, come over to my house. We're gonna have dinner." And this was the year that my dad was in Vietnam. And I'd be like, "Okay," and I'd go to her house, you know. And they'd pray, you know, before dinner, and they'd, "Oh Lord, you know, thank you for this day." And I'd just be like. For this day, my dad's in Vietnam. I mean, what you know? I, I never. It I was just so peaceful, and they were so cool. Like the dad rode a motorcycle and everything, and you know what I mean. He had like they were just really this neat, neat couple, and they had two children. And but Jody and I were friends, and so Jody, one time, um, we were at her house, and and she said, you know, I'm a Christian, and I said, oh, I am too, and, and she goes, oh, how do you, how do you know? And I said, well, because I'm my. Um, Uh, um, (laughs) because I don't know, because I believe in God, and she's like, well, there's more to that, and she was little, you know, she was like a couple years younger than me, she's like evangelizing to me, (laughs) and I was just like, and and so, you know, I was looking around her room, and she she had this little picture of Jesus, and it was so cute, it was just of Jesus's head, you know, that nice picture of Jesus, (laughs) and I had like a little gold frame, and I was like, Oh, I love that picture. She goes, that's Jesus. And I was like, oh, wow. And then she <laughs> and then she said, um, I said, do you think I could have that picture? And, and she said, I don't know. You know, I, I, just, I don't know. I, I'll trade you something for it. Remember you should trade? Remember when you used to trade stuff? And um, so she said, OK. So I had this like, this little, like, wallet thing. You know, It was like, kind of like a fancy little thing that I'd gotten. And I said, I have this little wallet. And I'm like, trying to sell it to her. <laughs> it's shiny. It's pretty. And uh, she goes, I'll trade you for it. And I said, OK. But I think she knew in her heart, you know. I don't know. She knew, she knew in her heart that it was good for me to have that little picture of Jesus. So I put that little picture of Jesus on my bedstand and um, she also had a little glow-in-the-dark cross. She had a couple of them that she'd gotten, like, at Sunday school. I was like, where'd you get that? She goes, Sunday school? I go, wow, glow-in-the-dark? She's like, yeah, come here, and do we, like, live in the closet? <laughs> and, and I go, oh, I love that, you know, and so she goes, here, you can have one. So I was like, okay, so I go home that night, and I was like, feeling pretty good, right? And I, I had my little Jesus, and I had my little glow-in-the-dark <laughs> big cross, and um, so I had those in my room, and, um, and so and then she invited me. She was going to get baptized. I was like, what is that, you know, she goes, well, I'm going to come, she goes, you're going to come to church, you come with my family, and you, I'm going to get baptized, you know, and, you, and, uh, and um, I said, okay, so I remember sitting in the front row, and, and the, at her church, and I remember looking around, there was a big cross, and I was like, wow, you know, this is church, this is, I, you know, I, I felt, I could feel the Lord there. And so she did. She got baptized. You know, she, they did the immersion. And but what was funny was they put cotton in her nose and in her ears, and I started laughing. I couldn't. I had the giggles, and it was just. But I think the giggles were that, and just the excitement of like the Lord was steering in my heart, right? <laughs> but that Jody, you know, she probably will never know that she was like played this huge part. And so my dad returns from Vietnam. We moved to Virginia, this teeny little town in Virginia, right? I'm, I'm a teenager now. Right now, I'm really blooming. And, and I'm a teenager, and my dad, my dad was going to work at the Pentagon. And we, like, he came back, we moved so fast, there wasn't even really time to get reconnected. And um, he moves to this little small town. Like, he could have moved us closer to DC or something, but this little, I, and nothing's wrong with small towns because I love that farm feel. But everybody knew each other since kindergarten. So I start this high school, and I'm like the new person again, only yet it's high school now. And high school, I'm telling you, girls can be. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, like, horribly. It's true. It's true. And you know what? I pray, I pray healing and blessings on everybody that was ever affected in high school by people that are just mean. You know. And I pray for those people that were mean. You know, because I wasn't always the nicest person either. Because you start, it becomes this vicious cycle thing that happens. It's like this protection thing that happens. So my high school years were very difficult. I I had one friend, this girl named Kathy, who I'm still friends with today. She was the smartest girl in the class. I was the least smartest girl in the class. We were never in the same classes because they always had the smart class and the class that kind of struggled. But we were we were really really great friends. But what happened there in, in Denver is that, is, I mean, in Virginia, is that I, um, I really saw that I was so far behind in school that I had to take some special ed classes. And I remember... My parents going into, I think his name was something like, I can't remember, Mr. Funkhauser or something like that. And he was not really a great, he's a counselor, you know, the, whatever they call him, you know, the counselors, the school counselor. And we were sitting in that office and he's like, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Hatfield, you know, and Kathy, you know, she's so far behind that we can't get her caught up. And, I, and my parents were just like, and I was like, "What do you mean?" You know, cause you had, my SAT was just like probably like I don't know. Anyway, he was just like, you know, <laughs> looking at it like I don't know. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> and so he, we're gonna have to put her in some special classes. Well, I'm in high school, and the new girl, I'm in this like special ed class, like special, they, you know, special ed classes, special needs classes, and not for all of them, just for a few, for like you know, reading and you know, en- like English mainly, and. Um, So I that just like I was that just blew my whole insecurities even worse right. I remember sneaking. I remember walking down the hall, (laughs) acting like I was cool, and then I had to duck into this one room, you know. And I, you know, and I'm like, I'm like reading. I have to read these flashcard thing anyway. It was really just. It was so hard, and you know, people know, you know, and you know, people know, and. But you know, I. I made some poor decisions in high school too. And I think a lot of it had to do just with my insecurities and kind of looking for love in all the wrong places and not really having that, you know, from my dad at that time. And um, just having, you know, really wanting somebody just to come alongside me and, and love me. And so I didn't really know how to get love, right? Because you don't know how to give get love if nobody's ever told you, you know, those things that you need to hear. So, you know, I was boy crazy. I went boy crazy. I was just like nuts, boy crazy. And um, in a bad way. I mean, not in a good way. I mean, I, I just like had a new boyfriend like every couple of weeks, you know. And, and, but it wasn't healthy. You know, I don't mean that in a positive way. I, I just mean I was so needy, you know. And then when it wouldn't work out, I was just like, oh, devastated. I was so devastated, you know, because I didn't have that range of emotions. I didn't know how to I didn't know how to make it all okay when things didn't work out. I didn't know how to make it okay when I was wanting things to work out. And, you know, all I had was a dad. You know, I mean, my dad, not all I had was a dad. My dad was such a great dad. But, I mean, he would be like, you know, all boys want is, you know, one thing. And I'm like, what's that one thing? You know? (laughs) I'm like, like, what? You know, and he's like, they just want one thing. And, you know, you're going to... You know, that's not going to be good if you, you know, go and you do those things. And, but, you know, and then my mom ended up having a talk with me. You know, she's like, do you want to have to talk? And I'm like, no, that's so great. I mean, I have friends now that have daughters. They're having to the talk with their daughters, and they go away with them overnight. It's all godly, and you share God's plan for your daughter's life. And, and you know, they, really, my parents didn't have the resources. So I'm not parent bashing at all. They just did not have the resources, you know, and really the knowledge. So I made it through my high school years though, barely, but I graduated. I don't know how I graduated. I thought I needed that math class, but <laughs> 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 somehow I graduated. And um, anyway, I don't know. it's funny. Anyway. so I graduate, right? And so my parents um, my parents my, gets transferred for the last time. My dad's reaching 50. he's wanting to retire at 50. And, um, you know all those years in the Army, bless his heart, thank you. you know that he did that for our country. Um, we moved to Denver, Colorado and I started I got into a city college. I like passed these tests. I don't know how it happened. It must have been a miracle because I passed the test to get in. I was like in the same English class with like you know pretty smart children, people, you know and so I was really excited I was, I don't know, I really made me feel good and so I I was taking these classes and it's where I met Janet my sister-in-law in in 1980-ish early 80s 80 1980 I graduated high school in 76 and um, and boy Denver is where it happened Uh, Denver is where I came to know Jesus and I had met this guy, I won't go into the whole long story, if you'd ever like to know it, I can share it with you. And anything, any parts that you know that you would like to know that I don't explain fully, I'm an open book, pretty much. So I met this guy, and he says, uh, he says, you know, do you know Jesus? And I said, oh yeah. <laughs> right? Because he was just like, I was like, oh, yeah, I know Jesus. And um, Jesus is just like going, you don't know. You know, it was just like one of those moments where I was totally lying, and I felt convicted. So I knew I was getting close. You know, I was getting close to something. And he said, "Well, you know," he explained the plan of salvation to me on our first date. And I was just, "We're at we're at Benihanas." We're at Benihanas. <laughs> he's like, he's like telling me, you know, so he tells me, you know, this plan, the plan, you know, of salvation. And I was just like, wow. And he kept telling it to me, though. He kept telling me. He talked about it the whole time. I was just kind of like, you know, can we move on? But then even when we, after dinner, we get in the car, he's still telling me. He didn't even drive, wouldn't even drive away. It was like, he knew what I didn't know. He was there to bring me to Jesus. That night, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I know. I know. And it was just like, it's just, I can't even, you know it. I can't, it's just like, I was, I felt free. And I remember going home, and I said to my mom and my dad, and we were living on an army post at that time in Denver, and I said, do you know Jesus? And they said, well, yeah. And I said, no, you don't. (laughs) I just found out who Jesus is. I just found out who Jesus is. And he's our Lord and our Savior, and he has a plan for our lives, and he wants us to be whole. And my parents were just like, and my dad had been searching a little bit. He was trying to get us to go to church, but it was it was, a hard, we, it was hard to get us to go. It was hard to kind of bring that family back together. And I told my mom, I told my brother, I told Janet. And at the time, my dad was actually out of town. And he came back. I asked him on the phone. That's what it was. I asked him on the phone. I asked him the same question I asked my mom. And he said that, he said, when I asked him, he knew at that time that our lives would never that our, our lives were going to make this turn. But what the great thing was is that we all did it together. It was like, I came to the Lord, my parents came to the Lord, Janet, Mike and Janet came to the Lord, and we all just our eyes were just open. And my parents went to this thing it was called. Um, It's a Catholic one that they used to have back then before they had the marriage encounters. But I think it's called marriage encounters. Anyways, yeah, it's marriage encounters. And they went to this marriage encounter. They go, we're going to go away for the weekend. I was like, oh, okay." They go, we're going to go to this thing called marriage encounter. I was like, great. And they go away. They came back. They are holding hands. They are all lovey-dovey. I was like, ah! I was like, oh my gosh! Their marriage was healed overnight. Overnight, they were like this, the mom and dad you always want, right? And they were like, my dad was softer. My mom was, just seemed more together. And we all came to the Lord. It was amazing. It was an amazing time. And um, it didn't work out with this guy that brought me to the Lord. And that was really devastating for me. Even though it was a short amount of time we were together, um, but he came, I remember him coming, it was after we went on a date and he, and I shared this with a few people at one time at a singles meeting and, and you know, we were like standing at the door and I was like, huh, ah, you know, and he's like, um, you know, I've really been praying and, and I was like, oh, in my mind, I almost was thinking he was going to say the opposite, right? Like, I love you, you know, or something like that. Cause I was only, I was like, what, 20 or something like that, 21. And he said. The Lord has told me. I feel like the Lord has told me and shared with me that you are not the one. And I was like, oh! I was like, "What?" <laughs> it was so crazy. And so I was just floored, right? I was floored. We'd been going to Bible studies together. You know, I'd met all these women like these Christian women that were just like like, I remember meeting these Christian women at these studies and at these women's groups. And I don't know, some of you may feel this way when you first came to Cornerstone or trying to get involved. I was like, I could never be like them. Because I had already had such a past. And they were like, their tea, you know? And they'd be like, hi, everybody, and hugging. And i just be like, I could never do that. And Satan was so just like, you know, he's like, you you will never be one of those women. I really felt that way. I felt like I could never measure up because I was so scorned and just so had my own stuff going on. Well, he was wrong. But what happened was <laughs> after that after after Denver and this is where this is a part of the story that is really I really have come to share I appreciate let me share some things about my childhood. But I was the prodigal daughter. I completely fell away when that happened. I had one I didn't even have one foot in one foot out. I was like I was just like out. I was just like, whatever, you know, that that must just not even be real. Because you know why? I wasn't sewn in. I wasn't sewn into a church. I wasn't sewn into a ministry. I, wasn't, I didn't have Christian friends. I didn't have anybody Christian really around me, except my parents were on fire. And so they were devastated when I fell away. And I just started living my life, you know. I was going to school still, and I was, you know, going out with my girlfriends, having cocktails, and... You know, just really, you know, dating around, going to places I shouldn't be going. And, um, but always knowing in my heart what had happened. It's a horrible place to be. It's so horrible because in your still moments in the night, when you're not out and there's nobody else around, it's you and God, right? And you know, He knows what you're doing. (laughs) Even though you want to try to act like he, He doesn't. You know he knows, and so you know I would get my Bible out and I try to read, but I'll tell you what it was a long, lot of long years. I'm, my dad retired from Denver; he moved to um, outside of Las Vegas. They retired this small, cute community right outside of Las Vegas, kind of farmer's feel. He moved the, when he moved there. I moved to Las Vegas, and I told somebody the other day, I go, "Yeah, I lived in Las Vegas," and they were like, "Wow!" I go, "Yeah, when I was a show girl. And they were like, oh. like, I was just joking. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm in, <laughs> I'm in Vegas, right? I'm living in Vegas, OK? Vegas is not like the Vegas now. It was still bad, but not like now. It was much more small. It was very small at that time. So I was probably like 22 or something like that. Still I've been living my life like. There's no tomorrow. I was just having fun. I'm, you know, going out with all kinds of people. I was, you know, helping manage a restaurant. I was like, got into that whole field. So I left my dream of wanting to be a teacher, and I quit school, and I had this, you know, worldly job, and I was just thinking I was having the time of my life. Well, I did that for a long time. I did that for. Um, 18 years. Lord forgive me. Don't ever get to that place. It's so easy to slip out of, of your walk with the Lord. Don't ever get to that place where you're at one foot in, one foot out and then you're completely out. It's that fast and it can go on for that long. And I kept trying to come back, you know, people would say, oh you know, religion would come up and I'd go, oh yeah I'm a Christian but I'm not really living like a Christian. I mean I would say that. It's just it's so ridiculous to me. That, that That's how far gone that I actually went. My parents, you know, they'd be praying, 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 you know. My mom would call, and they were so different. You know, they were so loving and so, like, you know, wanted to talk to me about things. And I wanted to go, and I would visit them, and it would just be, like, so secure. So opposite of how it was. I was so secure because they were so secure with who they were in the Lord. So... I went from Las Vegas. I was moved to Santa Monica. I was managing another restaurant there, and I lived there for a few years. Very lonely, though. I wasn't like you know. I was going out, having thinking I was having a good time and stuff like that. But I was very lonely. I didn't know anybody when I moved there, and um, I just remember so many nights just crying myself to sleep, thinking there has to be more, you know. It was just those quiet, still times where you're just like. But nobody around me. I, again, I wasn't surrounded by anybody. That's why I'm so thankful today. You know, I have these wonderful Christian women. So, it's 1997. I called this the main event. Okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm this happy-go-lucky person thinking life is fine, and um, I'd actually moved to San Francisco to be closer to my family. Um, but in 1997 I'd been here, I think probably, I don't know, a couple years, and uh, my mom got really sick. I'm fine. <laughs> she got really sick, and she thank you. and she um, she had emphysema, and she'd quit smoking like 10 years prior to her getting emphysema, but she had emphysema. So uh, she um, was gonna get this surgery, right? So we're all like, yeah, you're gonna get this surgery, mom. You're not gonna have to take your breathing treatments anymore. Uh, and you're gonna, you know, you're gonna, be, you're gonna do great. So it was kind of like this, like, we were all like really excited, right? Everybody's like, this is it, this is gonna be great for mom. So she gets this surgery, right? And then we're waiting, you know, we go in, we see her after the surgery, and we're like, Mom, you're doing great, you know, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm okay, she's still kind of drugged up. And then the next day it just took a turn, right? And so like you're living your life. You're just like going along thinking, I'm living my life. This is me. It's about me, it's my life. I have this great job, you know, I'm I'm having fun, I'm doing whatever I want to do, you know. The day just keeps going by, all the days keep going by. And then it's just like, you know, my dad was like, I went back, came back to San Francisco, and my dad goes, you need to come back right away. So my brother and I flew back right away, and they were like, mom's not going to make it. And I was just like, I remember sitting there, and it was just like, you're, it's like, you're just, I'm like, what do you mean? And my dad's like, I don't think she's going to make it. And I just was like, what do you mean <laughs> you know you like just it's like this thing that happens where you're just so so it's so hitting a wall so she didn't make it she she died she died within 3 days of her surgery so this life that i thought was living that i was living you know was just turned upside down and i i i couldn't make it right i couldn't i couldn't nothing was right again right your mom's gone right and so the person that's you know gave life to you. She's gone. And for months after that, I just did not handle it, because I wasn't walking with the Lord, right? I had nobody around me, but people that were just like, come on, you know what society tells you, right? Buck up! Everything's going to be fine, you know? Society doesn't teach you how to deal with grief. We are the worst society for grief at all. I mean, I mean, everything should be fine. Brush it on the rug. Come on, be yeah, happy. Instead, I could not get out of bed. I went through a few months of, I guess, slowly getting into depression, which I'd never have had, although I've dealt with panic and, and different things like that in my young life. But I was, and I was having these panic attacks. And if you've never had a panic attack, what, what they describe it as is it's like it feels like somebody's putting a bag over your head and holding it like this, right? So you can't breathe. And you're just like, it's like, you just can't get past it. So I go to my doctor. I'm like, I think I'm really sick. I think something's wrong. And she's like, tell me what's going on in your life. And I said, well, I'm really busy at work. Um, you know, I, and I was, she said, I'm busy at work. I'm, I, you know, have this going on, I have that going on. She goes, tell me really what's going on in your life. I go, well, my mom just died. And she's like, you know, talk to me some more. And, and, you know, and she goes, you have clinical depression. I go, Again, right? I'm so so prideful in my insecure way. I said, "Depression. I can't be depressed." And she's like, "Yeah, I think you're depressed." She goes, "Do you cry a lot?" And I go, "Uh "Uh-huh." She goes, "Is it hard to get out of bed?" I go, "Uh "Uh-huh." She goes, "Are you withdrawing from your friends?" I'm like, "Mm "Uh-huh." She goes, "Okay, well, you know, this is what's going on." So that night, I go home and I was sharing an apartment with a person, and um, I, I was lying in my bed. I was just sick. I was sick to my stomach. I was just sick about it. And I said, you know, I said, Lord, what is going on? And it was at that very moment that the Lord met me again. And he said to me, these are not the plans I have for you. This is not what I have for your life. Get up. Get up and be the woman that I have created you to be. And I was like, I can't. He's like, you can. not I'm not kidding you. It was. It was just like it was just. I was like. I was just like huddled in my bed under my covers. Get up. I have a life for you. Okay. So that happened. It was was months after my mom had had passed away. You know, and and I and I sought help. You know, I went to a Christian counselor. You know, I started realizing I'm not going crazy because you feel like you're going crazy. So she says she says to me, you know, do you have a church? And I was like, no, you know, I don't have a church. You know, I was like living with somebody at the time. I moved out right away. I um, I kept seeing my counselor, and she said um, she said you need to find a church. Well, at the time, my nieces who were I think in their teens at that time, Nicola Maria, Mariah, they were coming here to Cornerstone. And they were coming here because they were friends with Pastor JR's daughter, Alana. And I remember Mike and Janet calling me and saying, um, you know, you have to come to this church because I think you guys had come and you got to come to this church. And I think they were seeking to get back really with the Lord too. And I was like, oh, okay. So I called my dad, right, my dad, oh, Talk about how horrible it is losing your mom, but then to have your other parent okay, still just grieving like crazy. I said, Dad, I go, can you come out and stay in California for a little while? I go, why don't you just come here? Because he was living in Nevada. I go, why don't you just come here, rent an apartment, come here. We'll be together. We'll be together as a family. I go, and I want to go back to church. He goes, I'll be there tomorrow. I was like, Daddy, <laughs> right? Right? I was just like, ah. Oh. So he came, you know, and he came and he came and stayed for a while. And I remember driving around. We are driving around looking for Cornerstone. And uh, we are driving around the mission. And then we'd like poke our heads in this one and they'd be singing, and, you know, like, you know. And I was like, not, that's not it, you know, because they were not speaking English. And I was like, that can't be it. <laughs> they were having fun. I almost wanted to stay, right? And uh, praising the Lord. And so then I was like, I think that's it. And so I remember we pulled up, and Rich was working parking. (laughs) Love you, Rich. And uh, he's like, you can park over there. And so we go. So we come running in. We come running in, right? I don't know if Mike and Jan. I think you guys were here. And my dad and I come in. I just know my dad was probably just like, he was so thankful, right? So we come in, and I was just like, they're singing Light the Fire again. It's a song we used to sing a long time ago here. And I was just like, this is it, this is it, this is it, this is within. This is where I belong. I just knew it from that moment. And so, you know, I heard Pastor Terry's message, and I still was kind of having trouble finding my niche here, though, and trying to fit in, because I still had the, all those same things, those voices saying, you know, you'll never be like them, right? You'll never be that Christian woman. Um, but I did, you know, I fit in, and, and I went to the New Beginnings classes, they were called back then, I went to those, and... I was really committed. I was like committed. I mean, the Lord had said, that is it. No more. You are running no more. This has happened in your life. You hit a wall, and you need to get with it and have that life that I pulled you out of that bed for, right? So so what happened next was this, right? I was single, right? And I was like, I'm going to live a Christian life. I am not going to date any guy that's not a Christian. He's got to be a Christian, and I was sticking... I said, I don't care if I'm single till I'm, you know, old. Well, I'm I'm 50. (laughs) So, but what happened was, is that I did meet somebody, okay? I met this guy named Don. We went to a singles event, and back then there was like 12 people in the singles, you know, this was, you know, 13 years ago. So... Um, so I go so I meet Don and, you know, make a long story short, we have our, we went, we decided to court, right, go on this date, and Don had a pretty colorful past too, and um, so we both had been around the block, and we really wanted it to be, go right, right, so he tells me on his first date, this is what he says, um, well, we ta- we said, we're gonna get it all on the table, first date, right, I was like, look, this is the situation, when I was in Denver, I was married before. It didn't work out. It was horrible. It was a horrible thing to have happen. He's like, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. And then he'd tell me something, right? And I'd be like, oh, wow. wow. And then I'm thinking, well, OK, so this is not so bad. You know, let's, We can move forward. And then he goes, the check comes, right? He goes, I have one more thing to tell you. I go, what? And he goes, I have cancer. And I was like, <laughs> So I remember just weeping, and he's like, "Yeah." He goes, "Right before you met me, when I first started coming, he started coming to Cornerstone four months before me." They had told he'd had cancer since he was eighteen, and he's had cancer on and off through his through his life, and um, he's forty four now, younger man, and um, <laughs> that's the way to go. <laughs> anyway, I, I know. So, so he said. Um, so so right before I met him, the doctors had told him, this is the worst it had ever been, that he, that he needed to go take a vacation, that he was not going to get better. And he said, he went to, uh, at that time, uh, John Georgie, who was a uh, um, pastor here, or Dave, Dave Georgie, I'm sorry. Yeah, Dave Georgie. And he said, look, you know, he was in the New Beginnings class as well. He goes, look, this is what my doctors are telling me. You know, He had been going through chemo, and he's like, finally shared it with somebody. And Pastor JR was there too. And he said, you know, they told me I'm going to die. And they laid hands on him, and they prayed for him. And they said, and, and, you know, prayed for healing over his body. He goes back to the doctor the next, like two days later. He has to get his blood test, right? Well, there's these certain markers that they have when you have cancer, and, you know, they have to be within a certain number. And they were, like, so off the charts that they, that's why they were like, you know, you're going to die. Well, he gets his blood work, and he's like, how is it? And he goes, you have no sign of cancer you have all your markers are completely normal right so the lord you know took him and brought him here to and he was raised catholic but he, he had come to know the lord through um, somebody at his work anyway he comes here i'm here we're here you know and um, he tells me this we're on our date and i was just like wow that was probably a lot of information right there. And so I, was, I remember I was going home, and I, you know, we kept seeing each other. We saw each other for a year and a half, or a year, before he asked me to marry him. Anyway, right around about eight months, he said, um, I started getting scared. I said, I can't marry him because I can't. What if something happens to him? You know, in your mind, you know, you know how it is. You know, try to remember back you married women when you were single and the single women now. I mean, you know how it is. It's like you kind of have this thought of how your life's going to be. And I'm thinking, you know, you don't think, well, gee, the person I'm, another person I was going to marry, gee, they could get cancer, right? You don't think that way. You're just thinking, wow, this person has a really bad track record with his health, you know? And I started, th- but I, I was, so I was scared, but I was more scared that if he ever got cancer again, I couldn't handle it. All that fear for my mom. And how I just didn't handle it came rushing over me. And it was days, nights, still moments at night, just crying and sobbing, thinking, I'm gonna have to break up with him. And if anybody knows my husband, that, you know, I mean, I'm so thankful that I did not make that decision. He's just the most amazing man. So I was grappling, grappling, and it was like another one of those kinds of things where the Lord just was like, you know what, Catherine? Don gets sick again, you're going to handle it because you know where you're going to be? Right here. Right here in the palm of my hands. And I rest in that still today, you know, that I'm going to be right there in God's hands. You know, in in many situations. I mean, just the thought of it, right? Think about Jesus just holding you like a little baby. So I shared that with Don. I told him, you know, and he was like, God, glad God told you that, you know. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm running. I know I'm running over right now, but I do want to share one quick thing with you. We did get married, 1999. Don his was he'll, you know his health was really looking good and everything. 2000, we knew we would adopt because we knew I, I was older, you know, older getting married, and I didn't really have the desire to want to carry a child. And because of all his chemo, you know, we couldn't. He couldn't have children. So we knew we would adopt, right? So I'm gonna share this one last story with you, and it's um, about our daughter, Kendall. And she, we, you know, we prayed and we waited and you know, thought, what kind of adoption do we wanna do, right? Lord, what do you have for us? Where is that child? Where is that one child you have for us? Or do you have one for us? Maybe you don't have one for us. So we started our adoption process, and, um, and I have, actually have some photos as well that, that she was going to put up some photos. And we started our adoption process, and that's Kindle. That's when we first were together, met together. But we start, when we started the process, we... Um, you know and if you ever want to talk to me about adoption i can fill you in on all the details later because some people really do that's at the hospital in Hawaii. that's where Kendall's not hawaiian but that's where our attorney was and so all the aloha mama's given me and that's uh, um <laughs> that's that's when we you know the actual court date you know we had to go to court say we're parents and um <clears throat> anyway I just want to scroll through this, so you can kind of get it. I just want you to see a picture, see these pictures. I know. OK. <laughs> so sweet little Kindle. She was born April 29th, my sister-in-law's birthday as well, which was kind of exciting. 2002. All right? That's my dad. And that's Don, my husband holding her. And there she is, her little fall. her little fall pictures that we do with my friends, with our kids. I know she's so cute. So what happened was, um, is that uh, when when we got the phone call right from our attorney, um, she said, uh, you know, I have a, we have a baby for you. And I was like, I was at work, and I was like, she goes, are you sitting down? I go, yeah. She goes, are you sitting down? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, this, right? She goes, sit down. And I go, okay. So I sat down, and she goes, this is a lot of news. You got to take it in fast. She goes, we have a child for you. This is in Kauai, Kendall's Native American from Montana. People used to always go, where do you think your child's going to be from? I was like, I don't know, anywhere she could be from Montana. (laughs) (laughs) So God is so funny. God has a great sense of humor. So she's from Montana, she's Native American Indian. She's beautiful. She's um, healthy. The birth, we decided we did a semi-open adoption, so I had to meet the birth mother. So they go, you have two hours to decide if you can be on a plane tomorrow morning. I'm at work, I'm call, calling, my I was a preschool teacher. I did go back into teaching, and I know, 15 years now. And so I said, I, I couldn't get a hold of Don. He was at lunch, right? So I'm like, what do I do, Lord, what do I do? I just knew in my heart, this is our baby. I just knew it. And so I finally get a hold of him, and I say, "I say, honey, you know, this is what's happening. I go, we're going to be parents, I think. And we'd have the nursery ready, and I had many still moments in that night in the nursery with her. I mean, we praying for that baby to be in that bed, rocking in my rocking chair. Oh, I'm going to have a baby, you know. <laughs> and Lord, just bless us. And so, sure enough, um, Don was like, let's do it. I called my girlfriend, I called Janet, I called Elaine, and I said, and Elaine just had a baby, and uh, I said, you got to take me to the store so I can buy a sling and some diapers, because I, I go, I, I'm not getting on an airplane tomorrow morning, and I need a diaper bag, and so she did, she came over, she took me to the store, I called the store, I go, what time do you close? They go, we close in 20 minutes, I go, can you stay open? I go, I'm going to have a baby, and, <laughs> and she goes, yes, I'll stay open, and they stayed open late. And so we went, I got the stuff and, and Don was ma- busy making his plans and we we're calling family and we we're like, Lord, this is it, I know it. So we get there, so, I, so, so, so we get Don and I finally meet up that later that night, right, together and we're just like, he was kind of like trying to be all like, we got to prepare, we got to do this, we're going to do that. And I'm like, ah, 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 this is so exciting. And so thank God we're different like that, right? Because he kept it together, and I was like, "Oh!" And so anyway, so the next morning, there I go. I'm in the airplane with my diaper bag and my and my favorite and her little, new little favorite toy that Grammy had given her for her, you know, named Pockets. And so you know, there I go. I'm in the airport. It's all surreal, and God is just all over, right? I could just feel. like I'm standing there. I had to go before dawn. I had to go by myself because he he couldn't leave work that fast, so he came the next day. So I was like standing there, and I was just like. I'm gonna be a mom. You just want to tell people like next to you, I'm gonna be a mom. You know, if you know how people are at the airport, they're just like you know, I could try to make eye contact with people. Like they'd ask me, What are you so happy about? Anyway, so I get there, I get to Kauai, my sister-in-law, they live in Hawaii, which is another reason we you know, did our adoption in Hawaii, so we'd have a place to go to right away. And so she picks me up at the airport. Lord, is so good, my mother-in-law from Texas would happen to just be flying in on the same day to Hawaii. So I have that support, right? So we go to the the, um, hospital, straight to the hospital from the airport. And there's Kendall, this little pink bundle bundle with a little pink boner here. And there's the birth mother, her birth mother, Lynn. So here I'm coming with all these emotions. And then here's this woman sitting here, you know, with all her emotions. So I go, and I'm in that hospital room for five hours, like this, holding Kindle like this. I was just praying I didn't have to change her diaper in front of the birth mother, right? <laughs> I'm holding her like this, like stiff, my sister, and I kept going, like, loosen up, you know? And so you have to have, I had have to have this conversation with, this, with, this, with the birth mother, right? These things, these, talking about these things. Well, I got there, you know, I see her there so late that they actually, I couldn't take her home that night. I couldn't take her back to my sister-in-law's house. So I had to leave her there that night. And I had so they said, you can come back tomorrow morning and you can get your daughter. So I go, okay. So I I I'm there and that night I was like, Lord, help me. Help me to know how to be towards Lynn. Help me to be with Kendall. I was so anxious, you know, all those anxieties, all those old things come up in us, right? And I was like, I got there. And they go, here's your daughter. Lynn had signed the papers for me to take her, and Lynn wasn't there. Here's your daughter. They put me in a wheelchair. <laughs> they rolled me out, right? I'm like, D-d-d-d-d-d-d. my in-laws are there. My husband was flying in. So Lynn hadn't met Don. So Don so she had to meet Don, you know, for the final approval and everything. But this is probably one of my most bestial moments, is when Kendall was with us for ten days. we loving her, feeding her every two hours. I was like you never know what that feels like every two hours till you have to do it. I was like, I can't, I can't. Get it. But it was just so, we were like this little family. And of course, we were in Hawaii. I mean, it was just, it was just, it was so beautiful. It felt so right. And we hadn't had any con- contact with Lynn. She was there. She has two older boys. She was there with her older boys. And all of a sudden, I get this phone call, right? It's my attorney. And Lynn's still there, right? And, and she goes, I got to tell you something. I'm like, what? She goes, Lynn wants to see Kindle. And I was like, no. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't mean to say that, but I go, no, what do you mean? She goes, she wants to see her. I go, okay, then we'll all meet at your office, and we'll all meet. You'll all be there too, right? She goes, no, she wants Kindle for the day. And so I said, I said no, she can't, I, she can't have Kindle. Well, I started flipping out. I was like, I had this panic, this, ra- this like, stuff came up in me like, that happens with... Um, you know, that happened with my mom, and she said, you don't have a choice, and this is what she said to me. She goes, my my attorney, she goes, because she knows all about me. They know all about you when you're adopting, because you have to fill out all this stuff and talk to all these different people, and she said, where is that faith you say you have? She wasn't even a Christian. I was like, (laughs) right? I was like, but it was just like, it was like this silence, this be still moment that is just like, it's like where is it, right? It's like it's like, you know, it's like the disciples in the boat with Jesus, you know, and he's like, you know, the storm is like that's what it felt like, and and all of a sudden, you know, they're like panicking, you know, they're panicking, they're like Lord, Lord, you know, and he's just like snoozing, he's got a pillow, it says, you know, he's like sleeping, and and. uh and, and I have so many moments like that where I just, like, panic. And I'm like, Lord, you know, like, like as, everything's just going to get pulled out from under me. And that's what happened, you know. And, and, and I just panicked. And when she said that, it was just like, it was just like peace just came over me. I got off the phone. I go, you know what she said to me? And, and he said, what? And I go, she said, where's that faith you say you have? She was watching me, right, people? Yeah, so we took Kindle, and that day was the most peaceful day. Dawn and I took Kindle. We're, like, here, not knowing if she would change her mind, see how fabulous Kindle had become even more in those eight days, you know, and want her. And so we said, um, we came here without a child. God brought us here without a child. God could bring us, take us home without a child. And we walked around all day like this looking at the beauty. We hardly spoke, hardly spoke a word. We go to pick her up, five o'clock on the dot, buy a couple of presents for the boys, and uh, you know, she said, here's your daughter. You know, look, God is so good. God is so good. Shortly after that, my dad actually passed away as well. and and then shortly after that, Don did get cancer again. And um, those moments, I'm telling you, man, God is so good. I didn't panic at either one of those. When when those moments were happening with my dad and his deathbed, only a peace that God could bring. When Don had cancer again, I had a girlfriend call me and she goes, do you remember what you told me God told you? That you would be able to handle it. That you would be right here. And I was just like, you're right. I mean, I'm not saying it was easy, but I'm telling you girls, it's, it's, it's amazing what you walk through. And for you women that are not married, or that are, that are divorced, and they're thinking about a certain type of man and I just really, I know I'm going over right now, but I feel like I should, I should share this with you real quick. Girls, God has a plan for your lives. He has got a man for you. And just because he's a Christian man, he's not gonna be a perfect man. He may, not, he may come and he may not even be looking like what you think he's gonna look like. Right? So don't be like, I'm sorry, you don't have any hair. Because you know? I would have never been married. No. Anyway, he has a purpose for you girls, you know, and I know we have to end. um, I'm sorry I went a little bit over. I thank you for listening. God is so amazing, you know, but I do just wanna pray right now, you know, if you have sick parents, like a lot of my friends are having ill parents right now, and now that I've gone through it, if anybody ever wants to talk to me about your parents, divorce, adoption, you know, any of those things, please seek me out because God brings you through things for a reason. He brings you through things so that you can bless others and that you can say, you know what? You're going to get out of bed. You know what? Your heart is going to be filled with joy again. You know, ill spouse, a sick child, struggling with the decision to adopt or not adopt. Am I going to get married, past sins, childhood holes that just feel like they're never going to be filled? And desiring a husband, a family, caring for those that you already have. You know we're so thankful and we're so blessed. So I'm just going to close in a word of prayer. And you know my prayer is is that, you know Lord, Lord I just come to you, Lord I thank you for these open hearts, I thank you for these open ears, Lord I thank you for the laughter, Lord, Lord we need to laugh, don't Lord just fill us with joy, keep us, Lord, Lord we have a a, a short time together, we have our Eagles Wing women, Lord. We have them, they're gonna be around for prayer. Don't be afraid to come down for prayer, women. Lord, we love you so much. We just thank you and uh, we trust you. And we thank you for holding us in your hands. If you do want extra prayer, ladies, please, please come down. Come down the women, women, uh, Eagles Wing Women Ministries, amazing ministry. They're gonna be around. Come and really get some healing if you need the healing, okay? And uh, we do have a little thing that I, a little video that we're going to show. And um, just come during that time if you can.